As you're seated this morning, look at somebody on your left and right and tell them, man, you're looking good today. It is good to be in God's house. Now, you probably came with that person, so they especially appreciated that this morning, knowing that, uh, you know, you're supporting them, supporting them in the journey. Well, today, we're going to take a break from our series, pick it back up next week, on the life of Moses, but today, we're going to focus our attention on Empowered to Witness. And we're going to go to the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Anybody enjoy the book of Acts? I just have to tell you, the book of Acts is one of my favorite passages to read through because it is inspirational and encourages us the fact that with God's help, we can do it, amen? God empowers us for victory. Let's read in the eighth chapter of Acts today about a man by the name of Philip. Philip is oftentimes known as Philip the Evangelist, but honestly, he begins ministry and begins one of the first and earliest missionary campaigns. Let's read a little bit about him in Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kendake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside his carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Friends, can I tell you that the news of Jesus is good news? It's powerful news. It's the news that our world needs more than anything else. We like to see our world change. How many of you like to see our world change for good? But can I tell you that that usually only happens one heart at a time, one person at a time. You and I have been called to be missionaries. Now, you might say, well, pastor, I don't feel like I'm called to be a missionary. Well, let's go to what we would say is known as the the great call or the great commission. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And it says, therefore, go, look at somebody say, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, and I like this last part. Listen to it carefully. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you know that Jesus is with you today? You know, you may have come into church this Sunday morning. You may have felt anxious. You may have felt afraid. You may have felt lonely. But I want you to understand today, you are not alone. Jesus has gone and does go alongside of you. Wherever he has you to go, you are never alone. 
Now, when it comes to sharing our faith, and we're going to be talking about that this morning in the area of missions, but also personally in our lives, oftentimes we feel torn. We know that it's something that we, sh- we should do, and on one hand, we don't want to be pushy. Nobody wants to be pushy because you might turn somebody off to the message of Jesus. But on the other side, we don't want to be imp- just be a person that has no empathy and feeling apathetic because if we do that, then we realize that, that we're really not doing what we've been called to be. So we're torn a little bit. So the answer to our question of how we do this work that God has called us to do comes to us in the word of God. And I want us to look at a few things this morning because Philip answers the question for us of really how we can do it. God gives it to us as an example. The first thing that I would like for you to look with me at today is this truth. You and I need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go again back to scripture. Go to verse number 26 in this passage in Acts chapter 8 and let's begin at the opening portion of this account. It says in verse 26 that as Philip was going down the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to to Gaza, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And some of you will say, Pastor, that's what I need. I need an angel to show up and tell me what to do. If an angel would show up, then I would know exactly when I was supposed to witness to somebody, right? Right? Oh, but I want to tell you, friends, that this gives us an example of what God is doing all the time. God leads us by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in our hearts. Now, let's be real today. Have you ever personally felt the tugging or the pull of the Holy Spirit in your life? In any way, I want you to just wave your hand and say, Pastor, I felt it. Maybe it was just, I felt a call to pray or or maybe you felt a, a call to, to talk to somebody and to encourage them or, or to get on the phone and to, and to minister to somebody. That is the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you've ever heard that and sensed it in your spirit, that is what you need to be listening for as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about the opportunity of sharing the message of the gospel. We often quote this passage, but it's one that we can apply personally. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I want to tell you this Sunday morning, God loves you, and he likes you. Now, sometimes we tell people, I love you, but as you walk away, you just say, but do I really like them? Come on now. You ever gone to a family reunion? Man, I love you, man. I just don't like hanging out with them very much. Sometimes. But let me tell you, God not only loves you, but he delights in you. He likes you. Scripture points out that your steps are ordered. Now, go back to this passage. On the road that this man, Philip, was placed on, he meets an Ethiopian. He's not just any guy. It's the right guy. Friends, let me tell you, your steps are ordered this week. 
This week, you're going to come in contact with some folks, and it's not by happen chance, it's on purpose. This gentleman that he met that day was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah, and Philip began talking to him, and eventually, he leads him to a faith in, in Jesus Christ. Now, the principle that we should learn here is that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Philip, I want you to go and walk alongside of the that chariot, Philip didn't say, well, I don't really know. I don't know that guy. I don't feel comfortable. You know, we talk ourselves out of a lot of ministry opportunities, don't we? Well, God, I would, but I just don't feel comfortable. I don't know that I'd have the right words to say. Principle that we should learn from this is that if we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to people who are ready to hear our message. Let me tell you something. Missions can take us across the world. There's that at that table. You'll see people who've been taken around the world. I want you to also know, missions might just take you across the street. It might take you to a neighbor who needs to be encouraged or needs to hear that Jesus has the answer for their life. It might take you to a coworker who's discouraged or going through a divorce or having a family tragedy and they need somebody to speak the words of life into them. It might take you to a family member who needs to hear of the fact that Jesus has done something in you and the same thing is possible for them. Now it's very uh, unique in this man because we hear that he was returning from Jerusalem. Where had he gone? He had gone to the temple in Jerusalem to Find an answer for his life. Friends, you know a lot of people come through the doors of this church and they're looking for an answer in their life. Oh, they're looking for, for somebody who has an answer for them. And yet the interesting thing is that this man went to the temple, we might say, he went to church, but he still left with a hunger in his heart. What was the next thing that we see? He got what would be considered the word of God. He got one of the prophets, the, the book of Isaiah, and he was reading through that. And a lot of people will come in contact with the word of God looking for answers. We call those people today in the vernacular of, of our time a seeker. Somebody who is seeking answers. But I want to share something with you. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just reading the Bible isn't going to make you a Christian. Now, those are good steps that will lead you in the right direction. But the only thing that will change and fulfill your life and will fulfill the lives of those who are all around us is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to change us. Why? Because every person has a God-sized vacancy in their heart. There's something missing and they began, there's a pull. They began to look for those things. As we think a little bit more about this, we can see that there are literally millions and millions of people in our world that don't know Jesus. Go by the missions table today. You're going to see how it talks about how many billions of people are in our world. It also talks about the millions and, and billions who have still never heard that Jesus is the answer. And what does this tell us? It says that there are some who have never even heard that there is Jesus Christ who can save them of their sins. You see, friends, the responsibility for us to go and to share is a personal responsibility. It's one that goes to those who are rich and to those who are poor. Interesting thing about this man is that he was pr doing pretty well in life, wasn't he? 
says that he was the treasurer under the Kandake or the queen of Ethiopia. He was prominent. Now, here's a mistake we make. Oftentimes, we look around and we say, these friends who are less fortunate or poor, certainly they need Jesus. But let me tell you, those a lot of financial blessing, and they may be considered people who have their life together. They also need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. No one is exempt. No matter how many good things you have done or, or how much money is in your bank account, it doesn't matter. You and I will never be satisfied without Jesus in our lives. That's the only answer for us, and we have to be willing to tell. Most of us would consider Billy Graham to probably be the greatest evangelist of our time. How many of you would agree with me on that? It's not a trick question by any means. I mean, he was a dynamic uh, individual who did great things for the gospel. He came to Albuquerque many years ago, and we went to the pit. Many of us were there, and, and were a part of a great evangelistic crusade. Back, I think, in the 50s, he came to a, an area that used to be the roller drome, wasn't it, down on San Mateo, and there's some pictures of that. And in the early years of his ministry, he would go to churches. What would it have been like to have, have Billy Graham at your church? How many of you think, man, that would have been, that'd been all right. And he was on one of these early events, and he came to a town, and like a lot of folks, you know, how many of you understand that, that Billy Graham was just a regular individual? He had to go to the post office, too. And he was looking for the post office. He didn't know where it was in this town, and he saw a little boy, this was probably back in about the 50s, who was maybe riding his bicycle or something like that, and he stopped him, and he said, hey, son, can you tell me where the, the post office is? He said, I can't find it. And he said, yes, if you go down this street and you turn over here, you're gonna be able to find it. And in typical Billy Graham fashion, he said to him, he said, well, if you will come to the Baptist church tonight, I'm telling people how to get to heaven. And the little boy looked at him and he said, I don't think I'll be coming. You don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> you know, you need to have something where people can know what you're telling them about, right? And so we need to be well equipped in our mission. It's important for us to know that, that God has a plan and we need to share it. I once read of, of an evangelism course that where the participants were taught not to answer people's questions. That may seem a little weird. Because they would tell them, you know, people might start asking you questions about things, and it's, it's this reason. They said, lost people will try to get you off the subject by asking questions. Don't answer them. Just say, I'll get back to you in a minute when you, and go on with your presentation. Let me tell you, you're not here to over-talk people with the gospel. Oh, let me say it again. You're not here to over-talk them. You're just here to tell them how good God has been in your life. Anybody know somebody who's good at over-talking, folks? No, how many of you know somebody who's good at sharing with you? I mean, they're real good at sharing with you. I mean, if they are approaching you in the lobby, you're starting to look for an escape route immediately. I mean, they begin to talk to you, and, and suddenly your eyes glaze over, but they don't notice. I mean, your eyes might roll back into your head because of what's going on, but they can't tell. What Some folks will just over-talk you, right? See, that's not what you've been called to do. You've been called to be a reporter of the good things of God. That brings us to the second thing that we want to look at today. You and I need to be focused on telling people about Jesus. Go to verse 35 in this passage. It says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Who did he tell him about? Jesus. 
How did he do it? He opened his mouth. Now, here's a mistake a lot of people make. They say, Pastor, I am a witness, but I don't believe I need to tell anybody anything. They can just see it because of the way I live my life. Oh, I don't care how many bumper stickers you have on your car. I don't care how well you do that, how many uh, little fishies are on the back of your car. You still have to open your mouth and tell people about Jesus. You know, what would you think of a missionary who, who came back and gave us reports and said, we want you to know that we went to the foreign field. We put all of these bumper stickers on the back of our car and we just drove around and we witnessed that way. Never told a person, never told a soul, all we did is we drove around and they could just tell that there was something different about us. Let me say, friends, you and I need to learn to speak up and to tell people how good God has been. Now, let's make it real practical. How many of you would agree with me that God is good in your life? Would anybody also say that God has shown up for you in an emergency circumstance of life? Maybe an answer to prayer? Maybe God intervened in your situation. Maybe the Lord gave you a peace that you could not understand, but that's exactly what happened. You see, Scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus came into the world, here it comes, to save sinners. Did you know that every one of us was a sinner? We are sinners saved by grace, if you've come to know Jesus Christ. It's not because you're that good, Oh, here's the great mistake of most of our world. Most people tell you, you know, I'm a good person. Can I just tell you, no, you're not. You're really not that good. I mean, if, if you really want to be real, all of us are selfish, aren't we? Anybody ever wake up with a bad attitude? Oh, and, and your spouse is doing this right now, you know? This one's for you. Come on now, listen careful, right? You know, we call it stinking thinking. How you doing? Ah, Monday, made Mondays. Grumbly, frustrated. You don't think you're selfish. You just think that there's two cars coming for one parking place at Coronado Mall and just see how unselfish you are. Oh yeah, buddy, let's see who can get there first, right? What, what are we talking about? It's innate within us that we're not that good. But because of the grace of God, God's goodness can flow through us anyway. His grace can be there. Often, we get distracted. Now, I told you you're supposed to be God's reporter, amen? But you know, even reporters sometimes get distracted. I heard of this, of a lady who was working as a court reporter. And she, it was an interesting give and take between a judge and a mother during a paternity suit that was being heard. And the judge uh, said this, what was, the, was the child born out of wedlock? The mother responded, no, sir. Was born right outside of Louisville. <laughs> right? Distracted answers. You see, don't get distracted in your witness. It would be easy, it's easy to talk to people about things that don't matter. What are some of the things that we talk to people about? The weather, the Lobos, baseball season. Oh, we might even talk to people about other things that we think are spiritual but have nothing to do with Jesus, right? Social issues, our latest boycott, right? 
Can I tell you, those things aren't gonna save people. The only thing that's gonna save somebody is to come into a relationship with Jesus. I want you to look at one last thought with me today. You and I need to give people a chance to respond, don't we? We need to give them an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Most of us know at least one person we would love for them to get saved. Anybody in the room know of at least one family member or friend that you would love to see them get saved? Yes. I mean, it's, it's really your heart's desire. And our, here's our temptation. Our temptation is to, to push them a little bit, isn't it? To, to encourage them a little bit extra. Heard of a man who had a, was a very wealthy man, in fact, he came from a, from a series of people who had really done well. They had a huge estate. This huge estate almost had what you would consider to be a mansion sitting on it. And he would occasionally come and, and give people an opportunity to, to see the estate. He would walk them through it as guests or whatever and show them the grounds and, and tell them a little bit of the history of, of, of where they were. And they were awestruck because of how magnificent it was, the artwork, the architecture, all of those things. And he was doing that one day and took them outside where there was this giant pool. And he, want, he began to say this. He said, this pool is a little different because not only is it filled with salt water, but it also has a, has a man-eating shark inside of it. And I want to tell you, anyone who is bold and courageous enough to swim the length of this pool, I will either give them my, my summer estate, my cottage to them, or I'll give them my beautiful daughter. She was on the, the tour as their wife. Whatever you would like will be your choice, but you have to swim. And he more, more than said that, then they heard a splash in the water. And everybody was aghast because this guy was taken across, tearing across the pool. Well, sure enough, the shark came alert and began to circle back around him. And the guy was frantic. And he barely gets to the other side. His people rush to the other side. And he gets out of the water, still dripping wet and with some scratches and, and having just barely fought off and got out of the water. And the guy said, I'm a I've never had anybody do it. I told you I'd give you the cottage. Is that what you want? He said, no. He said, do you want my daughter for your wife? He said, no, I don't want her. She's a beautiful lady, but, but no. He said, well, what can I give you? He said, you tell me who pushed me in the water. <laughs> Friends, I want you to know that's how we are sometimes spiritually. We're ready to just, just push them over to Jesus. Just help them out. Right? I mean, they need God. God help them. But it's not going to work because they're only drawn through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that they will be transformed. You cannot push somebody into becoming a Christian. Look at what happens with Philip's example with this man, this Ethiopian man. Go to verses 36 and 37. Let's pick up the read there. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Can I tell you, friends, that was the Holy Spirit working in his life. Saying, this, is, this was a public profession of faith. Now, it wasn't that as they were driving along that Philip said to the guy, hey, do you notice there's some water over there? You need to be baptized, and I've got this card if you would fill it out before you're baptized, right? I'm going to kind of just help you in this. No, it was the Holy Spirit who was working. The Ethiopian man made the decision. Philip didn't push him. In fact, Philip qualified the decision when he said, really, there's no point unless you're doing this. 
unless you put your faith in Christ. If you believe, then yes. Friends, we are here to share with people that there is an answer beyond their understanding. I want you to know, friends, we live in a time, in a city, in a state, in a nation, in a world that has problems that are bigger than anybody can come up with on their own. The only answer comes through God working in our midst and bringing the answer into people's lives. We need to remember that each person has free will. Now, this is hard sometimes because often we're believing for somebody to be saved and they, they don't come to God in our time frame. But I believe that the message of the gospel does not return void. And it's important for us to sow the seed, to share the truth, to, to give the, the answer that they need, to put that seed into their spirit, believing that God will do what needs to be done in their life. I read a true story told by a minister of evangelism who was in a large church. His job basically consisted of visiting people, sharing with them a, a little bit about Jesus Christ, but most importantly, getting them to sign a conversion card and inviting them to come to church the next Sunday. He was good at it. He'd been employed for a long time, did a great job. Well, one night, or one day, he took with him a, a young man to show him how to do this. And, and sure enough, they made the presentation, and, and the man signed the card. And after they left, the young trainee said, that was amazing. The way you led that man through the entire process, it was like he didn't even have a choice in the matter. The minister of evangelism said that that haunted him because those words penetrated into his heart and he began to think about the things that he would share with someone. He began to recount in his own mind how this had developed and he realized that it had developed into what was now a, a slick sales pitch designed to get somebody to, to sign the card and to come to church the next week. But if he was honest with himself, he realized that a lot of those people who signed the card never even stepped into the doors of the church. Their lives were never transformed. They were never changed because he'd really taken away from them the ability to make the personal decision for Jesus. And you see, friends, unless somebody personally makes the choice for God, there really is never going to be a change. The people that you will here talked about that are going to different places around the world are going so that people can hear that Jesus is the answer. Scripture puts it this way. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved but at the name of Jesus. And people still need to hear that God loves them and that Jesus came that they could have life and that they could have it more abundantly. As we draw to the close of our time together today, I want you to know that we have a big responsibility in front of us, and it's twofold. Part of it has to do with you and me sharing the gospel message with the people that Jesus will place in our path even this week. We have to be ready. That means that we need to pray prayers that say, Lord, as you give me opportunity this week, I want you to prompt me by your Holy Spirit to be ready to share the good news that Jesus is the answer. But there's another responsibility that we all have, and it's very biblical. 
And it's to support the message of the gospel going into all of the world. And I want to be real with you for just a moment before we close in prayer. For those who are believers in Jesus Christ, I want to be very straightforward with you that you have an obligation scripturally to support missions. That's why I read to you the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, most of us, will ne- we could not physically go everywhere. But there are some people who've chosen to give their life. Some of them were highlighted this morning. Some going to Africa. Some to Morocco. Others are, are going into places in Central or South America, down into Brazil, and they're sharing the good news message. And I want you to just personally ask yourself, what am I doing for missions today? Because, you know, if, if we're not doing something, we're really not fulfilling what God has told us to do. And, and I, my challenge to, to you today is to seriously consider, if you've never given in the area of missions, to ask yourself, could I give $5 a week to missions? That's less than a dollar a day. Could I give that $5? Well, pastor, what would that do? Let me tell you, if every person in this congregation would make a missions commitment and give $5 a week to missions, it would transform how many people we could help send to the missions field. But it takes everybody doing their part. And it's, it's up to you. No one's gonna make you do it. No one's gonna come and hunt you down. But the reality is that we all need to get serious and say, God, what would you have me to do? Some of you give much more than that. Some of you have supported missions for a long time. But my encouragement, friends, is not only to make it personal in our lives about what we're doing, but to make it personal and to make a commitment so that other people that we will never see will hear that Jesus is the answer.